Welcome to the HU Pirateship Podcast. You can find us at www.hupirateship.com where we talk about the pirates. Up this week, we review the big win over Howard in, in the Nation's Classic. Uh, we also talk about the uh, MEAC scoreboard, look at the MEAC standings, and talk about the money games in the state of MEAC football. And of course, here to discuss all of that with me this week is Hamptonite. What's going on, man? And how was that game? Oh, man, everything is great, man. You know, everything is great when there's a Hampton victory. Um, the game was beautiful, you know. It was a lot of uh, a lot of our people were at the game. Well, I would say outside of the game. <laughs> and the tailgating was great, you know. And the game was basically over by the third quarter. And uh, the game was just awesome. You know, I was really happy to see, you know, the Pirates, you know, come out and dominate, you know, and Howard... <laughs> Oh God! God bless them, man. Oh, <laughs> they, they uh, I mean, hopefully they're playing either FAMU or Savannah State this year. You know, they'll win one of those games, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. They could go winless, man. Winless, winless. You know, it was funny. Like their smack talk changed throughout the week. So early on, it was like, yeah, we got the better football team. We're gonna show you guys. And then after the game, it was like, well, we got better academics. I was like, y'all got to keep trying, man. That's not good enough. Not yeah, good you enough. don't want to go there because yeah, no. we'll hurt you in that department too. But that's what, save that for another day. That's right. I that's... live across the street from Howard, by the way. So, yeah. Yeah, man. You, you're tuned I, in. <laughs> yeah, I'm very tuned in. And I have uh, family members who... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it go. Okay, let's move on to the next one. That's right, man. So, let's see. Recap that score. Hampton won the game 34-7 to to improve to 1-2 and on the season, 1-0 and in the MEAC. Howard uh, is 0-3 overall and 0-1 uh, in the MEAC. So, the first half was pretty sloppy. Um, Hampton took a 7 nothing lead into halftime. But I'm not sure what Maynard did at halftime. Uh, but he said something. Or maybe the team motivated themselves, but somebody motivated uh, the team to come out and put the game away quickly in the third quarter. So they scored 24 in the third quarter, uh, take a big 31-7 um, to seven lead, and then finished it off. So it was a good win. Um, good. They finished strong. Um, we uh, led uh, in yards, had 351 yards. Howard had 250 yards. So good job by the defense to limit uh, Howard, I thought they would do a little bit more rushing with uh, Philly. I actually like him, um, but uh, you know, held Howard to 97 yards rushing, um, and then we all we had um, no, sorry, 97 yards passing. We had 208 yards passing. Um, they did top us uh, rushing. Um, they had 153 yards rushing. We had 143, um, but uh, yeah, we kept them um, pretty limited uh, offensively and um, took away the victory. So. Of course, every week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, a lot of good things to talk about from this game. So we currently now have a two-game win streak over Howard. So we've got that uh, thing straightened out. Um, the big third quarter, uh, 24 points there. Yaki Johnson, I think everyone's favorite pirate at the moment. Uh, he won the MVP. Had 110 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. Special teams look good this week. Got a block punt. Return that for a touchdown. That's two weeks in a row for a block punt. Um, 41-yard punt return. Uh, 51-yard field goal um, by Adam Brown and 
coincidentally, he won because of that. He won the Miac specialist specialist of the week. Um, the backup quarterback uh, Cox, he got some burn. Um, he's a transfer out of Utah. He had a touchdown. Um, got a lot of work at the goal line, so they're kind of trying to work him in in some of the more athletic packages where he uh, has like run pass options or just a straight up run option. Um, uh, let's see, other good. Uh, we almost got the shutout. Man, a bad punt led to those late punt, late points. Howard scored with 13 seconds left. Um, so there was a little bit drama, a little bit of drama at the end. Uh, Devin Van Dyke, another good point. I mean, he's a missile. I mean, that guy just runs around and hits people. So to me, he's the closest thing we've had to uh, Justin Durant. Doesn't have Durant's uh, instincts yet. Uh, he's still learning the defense, but I mean, he's just a straight up missile. And just a game plan. Um, so I talked about uh, the previous week about trying to lean to what appears to be a strength at the moment, which is running the ball. So look like they did that according to the stats. So we had 41 rushing attempts and only 16 pass attempts. So um, pretty good game plan. I expect to see more of that. We cannot win this game. I win, win games on JJ's arm alone. So we got to you know take advantage of Yaki Johnson and Eric Carter. Um, so Hampton Knight, many any good things you want to mention there? Also, just I want to hear some thoughts on on Cox and what he looked like rushing the ball. Well, what if you saw the Texas game? I think when they played uh, Notre Dame, and you saw the guy uh, uh, was it Swoops Tyrone Swoops, and how they continuously placed them. I think within like the end red zone, like at ten yard lines when they were about to score. Yeah, all they did guy, was. Right? To, yeah, the big yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. All they did was just pull a guard and they just ran behind him. You know, the guy's six five, two hundred and sixty fifty pounds, you know. He's like a canoeing out there, you know, and they <laughs> score literally every time it happened. And um Brendan Cox is definitely not his size, but you know, it they uh Maynard did do the same thing. He just pulled a guard, just let him run in the goal line situation. And I think you could tell that he's still learning the offense because, you know, he's still happy. You know, I tell you, he's not accustomed to being under center. You know, this is a traditional offense where, you know, a lot of uh, play action passing that comes from under center. A lot of uh, um, five, five steps, sometimes six, seven step drops, you know. You know, these are things that he hasn't been used to. He hasn't probably done since Pop Warner football. Um, so you can tell he's still learning, and I would have liked to see him more, even though the game was out of hand. But I understand, you know, you just want to kind of spoon feed him a little. So that was one um, one thought on Cox. Um, as for you, uh, the rest of the game, you know, um, that third quarter we scored 24 points, and it wasn't much of an offensive explosion, I would say. I would say that, um, you know, the special teams, you know, we had a block punt there, and then we had some really good defensive stops. And Yaki Johnson, you know, he mm. caught, you know, uh, Maynard put him out in, um, in space, just like similar to Tariq Cohen. Once you put him out in space, a guy that little, you know, he gets he, he a low center of gravity. He could take a shot, and he can just get up under defenders. So he's a very elusive back to tackle. And um, we saw Eric Carter get a, uh, get some really good runs, you know. He had a one run where he it looked like an off-tackle off play. And he took it about, I would say, five yards off-tackle, saw the whole defense 
come to the right of him, he pivoted on that left leg and took it all the way to the left side for another 15, 20 yards, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can tell that his nimbleness is starting to come back. Um, Adam, um, a 51-yard field goal. I mean, I, you know what? In my time in Hampton, my time in MEAC play, I don't think I've seen that. I saw Andrew Paterini hit like a like a 48-yarder. I think I saw A.C. Wyatt at Hampton hit one. And I think there was one tour over at FAMU. I think he hit one um, years ago, like at 97, 98. But never a 51-yarder. And um, if you uh, pivot over to defense, you know, Devin Van Dyke, yes, he is a missile. He does have some of the same qualities that uh, Justin Durant had, you know. Justin Durant was definitely sideline to sideline, and you could not pass around him because he was he was very instinctive. He knew when you were going to throw a pass or, you know, throw a ball over him. He he had his hands on every ball that came his way. Now I would say Van Dyke is a little raw, but I will say this though: even though he has had a serious injury history, he was thumping at that game. Yeah, man. <laughs> and made yeah, and made it took him out kind of towards the beginning of the fourth quarter and he said to himself he said listen this game is out of hand you know I want I want to see him uh at A&T and uh and and when we play Central I mean I mean South Carolina State um at home so all excellent things that we saw and you know I'm excited to see you know that we get some time off and you know we can prepare for A&T yep very necessary so and one thing we just want to make sure, give a shout out to Kitia Malloy. He's a special teams coach and coordinator. <laughs> so, I mean, yes. it's not it's night and day from last year, man. I mean, man, it, it's uh, it, it is an asset now to special teams. So, props to you know Maynard and folks are recognizing that deficiency oh. and, and 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 fixing that. So, <laughs> take care of him. Take yes. care. He he earned his pay. He has earned. He's earned his pay since he, since the first uh, since the first game we played against ODU. So, t- yes, take care of him. Indeed, yep, indeed. And he's also the wide receivers coach too. So they're one of the more talented groups on the team. So he's he's coaching his butt off over there. So shout out, absolutely. To um, so yeah, man, the bad, not too much. Uh, first half was sloppy, so I, I didn't make it, of course, but. From what I what I was listening, it was, it was pretty hard to watch, and the, I'm sure it was hard to watch. It was hard to listen to, and uh, penalties, of course, 14 penalties for 91 yards. That was uh, pretty amazing and unfortunate. Uh, but that's all I have for bad man. Anything else we want to point out? No, not really. I mean, just the penalties were, I would say, a little bit excessive. And you know what? I don't want to blame this on. Uh, this is not a minor problem. And I do not want to criticize the MEAC officials that bad, but sometimes I think they become flag happy. And we start to see, we've seen this at, at the Richmond game last year. Remember, I think it was a third and 15, and Joseph Turner uh, pushed the guy out of bounds and the ref threw a flag because he said it was excessive celebration. Yeah, and Maynard said, I was looking at him when he pushed him out of bounds. And he didn't say anything. So I do think that sometimes some of our MEAC officials need to start swallowing these whistles because, I mean, I could see sometimes that our team, our team did not play undisciplined football last game. Mm. And, that, and we've seen times where they play very sound football, 
but yet they get uh, 10, 12 penalties a game, and at crucial times. So I would sometimes I would suggest that sometimes we do have an outside crew uh, officiating these games. Yeah, and amazingly, you know, I think we've talked about this last year. Sometimes when we get non-MIAC officials, we actually have less penalties. Absolutely. Yeah. So, however, they're grading these guys. Um, they need to be less officious and uh, <laughs> let yes. them play a little bit. So, yes. yeah. Good point, man. Excellent point. Yeah, it's hard to think that they're that undisciplined. Um, you know, when in the past, even outside of conference, they haven't been whistled that much. So, but yeah, it's still fourteen for ninety-one. Had a huge impact on the game. Um, and the ugly for this week, I have to say, it was Howard. I mean, I think we were all. I mean, we called a win, a victory. So far, we're three for three on our preseason picks. Um, <laughs> but we knew Hampton would win this game just on paper. They should have won this game, but Howard didn't put up a fight, man. I mean, I mean, they started out, you know, swinging, but after that, once you punch them in the mouth, it seems like they just fold and they did that at Rutgers and they did that again in this game this week. So my ugly is Howard and they need some fight. I don't know, you know, who's inspiring them, but they need a new, uh, someone to keep them interested in the game. So I, I think their play was ugly and unfortunate. I agree. And if you cannot get up for a Hampton game, then, you know, you definitely shouldn't be playing football. Now, I could see if it was Morehouse because they probably felt that, you know, okay, we're used to beating up on these team, this team. But, I mean, Howard needs to find this identity. Um, I was pretty close to the game. I could see them. You know, there was a lot of trash talk the very first half. But they once – it got a little bit rough for that team. They just went into a shell and just basically went through the motions. Mm. And as you look at the coaches on the sideline, they were very engaged into the game. I'm talking about the Howard's coaches. They're very engaged in watching the play and watching and how the game folded out. And the players just did not reciprocate any of that enthusiasm. And so basically they, and the crowd wasn't into it. Their crowd wasn't into it. So, it feels like there's just some malaise over that program and probably needs some, needs an energy, uh, jolt. And I just don't know what to say about it. Mm. Well, yeah, we did learn last week that that seat for flea flea is getting hot, but you know, whoever comes in, it's also going to be hot, but at least need a coach who's going to get those guys to compete. They shouldn't have been that bad. They shouldn't be that bad. So that was, that was unfortunate to, 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 to see. Um, and then, hey, we can talk about our tight end watch, our feature this year, <laughs> where we feature tight end play this week. Um, run game, obviously, they contributed to a strong run game. Um, but tight end actually led the team in receiving this week. Jack Willenbrock had a 72-yard catch from J.J. He didn't score. He got caught. But it was still 72 yards and led the team. So at least someone is looking for the tight end. And he appeared to be wide open from some of the highlights I saw, but you had a clear eye on that play, man. Can you describe what happened there? Because this don't happen too often. <laughs> well, it was definitely a uh, play-action pass. And I remember when I saw him go out in the coverage, he was flying. And so, J.J., of course, when he threw the ball, it looked like it could have been easily intercepted because it was too. it was just high enough that the – linebackers and the linebackers and the cornerbacks did not could not grab it and it was just fast enough or had enough inertia 
that it actually got to the tight end. And to be honest, the whole crowd gasped Mm. when he threw that ball because (laughs) he had defenders in his face and he threw a pass that had just enough mustard on it to get to that tight end. Mm. And once he got it, you know, the whole crowd was like, oh, he's gone. It's a touchdown. Because there were no defenders within five to ten yards. Well, okay, ten yards is an exaggeration. I would say about seven yards of him. And he had the angle. And so when he was gone, I was like, oh, you know, he's scoring. But he switched the ball to the left hand, and I understood why, because he's a technically sound tight end. He did not want no defender trying to, you know, grab a late fumble. And unfortunately, he just did not have the speed to uh, get to that line. Mm. I think he was knocked out at around the two. But I was really hoping that he would have scored because, you know, this has been the first time I HBC tight end in a long time, besides Tamara Hemingway last year, you know, has been utilized correctly. And, and, And just to even say this, too, he didn't even get another pass the rest of the game. So, I mean, <laughs> he just got that one pass. And, you know, it's just, you know, HBCUs, use your tight ends. Colleges do. The pros do. So that's just how you win games, tight ends. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and, and, and assume that we're going to see more tight end play the rest of the year. I hope so because we have not seen Kentrell Richard one play. Right, <laughs> but he had that drop, right? Was that him? He had the drop. The oh game? yeah, he yeah, uh, he's probably in the doghouse. Yeah. He dropped uh, <laughs> he dropped an easy pass, and nobody around him. Yeah, he's probably a blocking tight end. <laughs> yeah, man, he's like football. What is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a hot potato. But uh, absolutely. All right, yeah, man, we're good. Yep, hopefully, see more of Jack and uh, Richards uh, catching that ball uh, from JJ. But yeah. So tight ends uh, made a major contribution this week. And overall, a solid win. So with that win, we are in solid, sole first place in the MIAC. Uh, <laughs> so, Long time. That's right. So we are 1-0, and and Howard is 0-1. No one else has yet to play a MIAC game. So we're in first place uh, in the MIAC. So uh, hopefully we can keep that going after A&T. Um, so yeah, let's talk about some Miac scores, man. If we had some Grim Reaper music or something like that, I'd play it now, uh, going to the scoreboard. You uh, should do that. Yeah, we would do that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Miac scores, South Carolina State lost to Clemson 59 to nothing. Uh, Tulsa beat North Carolina A&T 58 to 21. We beat Howard, uh, 34-7. Tennessee State beat Bethune-Cookman 34-21. Norfolk State lost to William & Mary 35-10. Side note on this game, just watch this guy Albert Funderburk. He is uh, the guy that really blew us out of the water last week in that third quarter. So I think he's a redshirt freshman. So uh, if we play these guys again next couple years, we'll see him. But I think he's a pro. Um, he had three <laughs> touchdowns. I mean, the kid's nice. I and mean, he did work against NC State. I mean, he's a beast. So just watch out for him uh, over the next couple of years. And uh, he, you mean, and who, he played for William and Mary, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's yeah I do remember him. Yep. Uh, came out of nowhere, too, against us. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. North Carolina Central. Hey, they beat St. Augustine. St. Augustine, 65-7. 
And Tuskegee with the upset upset beat Florida A&M 20-7. So uh, it's pretty grim week for the MEAC, another one. Um, you know, just so far as a conference, we've been pretty terrible um, early this season. Um, some research by Dex from the MEAC Fans Message Board has some pretty sobering statistics. Uh, against FCS opponents, the MEAC is... Uh, is that 0-8? No, Kent State, right? Kent State got... We got a win against Kent... No, FCS. Yeah. That's our level. F- okay. F- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's F- our level. Yes, so Kent State. we're 0-8 uh, against mm-hmm. FCS opponents. 1-14 against FBS opponents. And 3-1 and against Division Two opponents. Um, so what is that? 4-20... and 20... Is that four and twenty-three? Twenty-three, four and twenty-three. Yeah. Yikes! Outside of conference play, and really one and twenty-two against Division One opponents combined. So, all that means uh, that means another Celebration Bowl appearance. Um, highly unlikely that we're going to get a playoff bid. I think the schools and administrations knew that based off their scheduling. Um, you don't schedule all these games and still try to remain uh, competitive for the playoffs. And then, like, we we even scheduled, I think, the first a game against Coastal Carolina the first week of the playoffs. So it's pretty much celebration bowl or bust for the conference. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Tell me if I'm being hyperbolic here in Hampton Night, but I've been watching HBCU football for 20 years or so, a little over 20 years. And uh, for me, this is – a low point as far as competitiveness. Even we may have had similar years uh, statistically, but we don't have that one beast of a team. Now, caveat, North Carolina A&T beat Kent State. But outside of that one game, um, we haven't been able to compete and like win or threaten to win outside of conference. So, I mean, I... I don't know. I'm not feeling too good for as far as like competing with other conferences at this moment. I'm not sure how to fix it. I don't know if it's cyclical or if it is a product of the system and the way it runs nowadays. But give me some hope or give me give me something, man. Give me some some rationale and give me some reason for improvement or <laughs> status quo will remain. <laughs> but I, I have to I have to admit, man, I'm pretty uh, bummed out by by because I mean we're playing. You, the first three weeks of football is pretty much uh, bad football for the conference. I'm not sure how you continue to keep people excited for that. Um, no, no, no. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, just that that article that came out in the New York Times. I didn't I didn't agree with most of what it said, but it did point out that South Carolina State played. I think the first two games were against FBS opponents, and I think it made over ten percent of its $9 million budget. You know, I think that's like barely over a million, almost a million dollars. And, you know, that money is definitely needed. And, you know, for other programs, you know, um, when you can (laughs) cover your budget on three, you know, I would say smash and grab games, you know, at the expense of these young men's, you know, who are playing then, you know, they do it. And the coaches, you know, they say, oh, I enjoy, you know, we enjoy playing these games because, and this is what uh, Flea said. Flea said, we enjoy playing these games because it gives us a a sense of what our team is made of against real competition, Mm -hmm. real competition. And then Buddy Pugh said himself, too, he says, oh, I love the excitement to be at these big stadiums, you know. You know, the kids love it, too. 
I mean, I'm just, I mean, I, God forbid none of these players get a serious injury like Devon Gales over at Southern, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these departments, you know, you got to find different ways of fundraise, you know? I mean, the alums that go to these games, you know, I mean, like if when, let's say, Southern played Georgia last year, and my dad went to this game, and I really admonished him for going because he wanted to go see Southern's band play. <laughs> and, you know, and I was just like, why would you go to that game? You know, it's a beat-down game, you know. Um, Georgia literally beat the brakes off of Southern. But he went just to see the band play. Mm-hmm. And he said to himself, well, we didn't win on the football team, but we won at halftime. And <laughs> and, and, they, and, and if you read the New York Times article, it makes a reference to that, too, that, you know, the crowd didn't, at Crowded Clemson didn't leave, you know, because they wanted to be entertained by the marching, was it 101 of uh, South Carolina State marching 101. And to me, you know, that has more of a racial kind of tone to it, you know. I mean, yeah, you can't beat us on the field, but we sure want to see y'all do y'all little jigs at halftime. <laughs> and I mean, I it, to me, if I look, if I'm an HBCU and I'm playing a money game, it needs to be a rule: don't bring your band because we are not here to entertain you. Yeah, we're gonna take our little beat down, but we gonna get our check though. You know, we gonna get beat up for this check, but we are gonna take this check, and we ain't gonna entertain you. I will come more up on a militant scale, but but just to take you back to the conversation, um, I would say this is actually a very low point in HBCU football because now it looks like we're I mean we're losing to D two schools. You know, I saw Grand Valley State, which is a very good D two school, work work an eleven and two Grambling State team at one point. I saw them do the same thing to a good Jackson State team, too. And it just just this past week, we watched um, Tuskegee work FAMU. And um, I just think that, you know, some, some of our resources and our infrastructures are crumbling. You know, if you go to Bragg Stadium, they have signs out there that says, no sticks, no stones, no guns. <laughs> and the sign is rusted over, you oh, know. Man. And you know their uh, locker rooms are just decrepit. You know, it's just the stadium hasn't been upgraded in years. You know, the only upgrade they got was a free video board from FSU. You know, and how can you expect a kid to want to play for FAMU when, when, when you have this? Now, if you don't have finances, fine. You know, you just know where you are. Same way with Howard, you know. I mean, you know, they have to be honest with themselves. Is this what we want to do? But I also do think that if you lose Division One sports for your uh, your university, whether in the MEAC or SWAT, then you lose a lot of morale for the actual university. Even though we don't support it, you know, I can't imagine black folks saying Oh well, we Division Two now. I mean, now I really don't care. You know, I ain't, you know go to games for what? You know, you know, because sometimes we do bring in a, a nice Division One opponent in basketball. But as far as football, I mean, I looked at some of the players like on FAMU's team or South Carolina State's team. You know, especially the linemen. You would see six foot. You see either, and this is the typical HBC lineman, whether SWAC, MEAC, CIAA, or SIAC. Uh, six foot seven, six foot eight linemen 
you know, 460 pounds, you know, can't move a lick. It's like, you know, they didn't even think about putting this kid on a weight program. Or a kid maybe 6'1", 390 pounds, you know, know, just... Well, you know, you know here's how, here's how you ahead. make a, here's how you make a good distinction though between the the programs and the MEAC and the SWAC that are trying versus the ones who aren't or can't try for whatever reason, and that is the linemen. Look at the linemen. So, I mean, yes. if you if you look at our linemen, I'll say now, five years ago we had those linemen that you talked about. <laughs> I remember yes. you were telling me about one of the games. Yeah, we used to have those oh. kind of linemen. Um, but you look at the top teams, they have really fit linemen. I, I'd put us in that category. But the bad teams, you kind of got to get who you can get. And then, you know, everything else is related to that. So you don't have the proper strength and conditioning. You don't have the training table, proper nutrition, all that stuff. So, yeah, that, that – but that's, a, that's just my thought. The teams that are bad usually have linemen that complement <laughs> the overall state of the program. Absolutely, and if you heard what Brian and I think I saw someone pointed this out on MEAC fans, you know he's in Alabama State too. He has he has really good facilities there, and I think someone said they approached him, said, "What's going on down there?" And he said, "People just don't want to come to Alabama State. We have great facilities, but they don't want to come." Would you? So, you know, I guess nah. Right. <laughs> Actually, let, me, let, me, let, me tell you, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. They recruit their city. Uh, the um, their basketball arena was really nice, but you know it's just wasn't style, you know. So you know I didn't go there. But I'm gonna tell you this too. They tried to recruit a younger brother. And true story. True story. <laughs> So we're on the way to Montgomery, and my dad's car had a flat, and you know, because I'm accompanying them. And so, you know, we had to talk. He had some sort of story. He had the BP service. We go to a uh, um, to a tire place to get the tire rotated, <laughs> and a guy came out. I was like, "Oh, I know you." He's talking to my younger brother. You're so and so. But he was like, "Yeah, man." You know, he was like, "Oh, I'm the just the old guy coach." Oh man! <laughs> like, what? And he's uh, like, "Oh, like us." So I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." I'm telling you, three stuff, dirty, looking like he worked at uh, work all day. He's like, "Yeah, hey, go ahead." He's like, "I'll take care of it, man. We'll have you back on campus in no time." So literally, literally, uh, a couple of hours later, you know, I went to the hotel. Then, you know, we he officially, you know, met us, you know, to pick us up. And show us around campus, and I still cannot get out. It gets out of my mind. How is your offensive line coach working at uh, uh, I don't even know who it was Midas or just Breaks or one of those places putting on tires and being an offensive line coach? Yeah. You know, this type of nickel and dime approach is you know indicative of HBCUs, and I don't want to. I do not want to put it. All on them, but you cannot have that. Not a good look. That was a terrible look, and we laughed about it the whole time. We we were like we were wasting our time there, you know, because we're not gonna go here when you do this. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, man. It's that's it's, but I guess that's why we play the money game. So the question is, is it worth it? 
Yeah, I mean, because obviously we we can't we collectively cannot stay at Division One and not pay these money games, play these money games. But I mean, you know, you it means you're also not going to win on the field. So, but you also keep you at D one. So I'm actually I, I am internally struggling about you know is it worth it as a if for me as a fan it's not because I mean football is the big no. The big money maker, and I, I don't like to see it. I mean, you know, I, I don't. <laughs> it's not appealing to me in any way. Um, but I understand the larger. It's struggle. definitely, yeah, it's definitely not worth it. But could be worth it in other sports like basketball. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, even though we do lose in basketball, but we do have a little bit more in basketball. So. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe we shift the focus from football. Say, yeah, we still keep the football team. More resources in the basketball. Oh God, that that would be even worse. That would be worse. I well, I would say this for Hampton. It would not be, you know, because you know we kind of, you know, pour our resources there too. But I mean, for like a a program like the Film Cookman, who is out of a, a junior high school gym, you know, I mean. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, but I don't know. I mean, I just literally think that we're at the point, at the threshold where, you know, so, somebody's going to have to make a decision at, at any of these programs. Is this worth it? You know, I mean, but right now I would say still, yeah, it is because of the pageantry that people, you know, still remember, you know. People still kind of show up for the hundred black men classic in Atlanta. They will they'll show up at the celebration bowl if it's a good matchup. If there's a Southern Jackson State Grambling, or maybe I would say a Prairie View, and they're all going. No, the SWAC will show up because they got the Bayou Classic and all those classics, the Magic City, all that down there. It's the MEAC, you know. You can't have Norfolk State show up to a uh, classic unless if it's like the the Norfolk State, Virginia State Classic. You can't have Delaware State show up. I mean, those teams should not be allowed to be in any classic. <laughs> and, and, yeah, unless I'm, it's I'm, up I'm, in the in the middle. It has to be up in the Mid Atlantic or something like that. Yes. So, yeah. so I mean, it has to be three schools in there. And I always say FAMU, Bethune, South Carolina, Ante, and maybe Hampton, depending upon how good they play. But at this point. I'm still 50-50. I say still, you know, keep it Division One. I. I mean, I don't think we'll ever get better, ever, you know. I mean, unless there's some sort of massive social change where our young our young men want to come back and play for HBCUs. But either we accept this or we just take it down to Division Two, And I yeah. think we would lose total interest there. Yeah, but you know what? I, I think that there are going to be some unintended consequences from playing these schedules because you cannot continue to, especially when we have so many casual fans, you cannot Absolutely. continue to start out one and two, oh and three, and then someone just takes a quick look on their smartphone and say, "Holy crap, we lost the last game, forty to five, you know, whatever." So I think I think there is a hit here, and then I think there's also maybe some scheduling issues too. I mean. I'm sure we, we, we all can remember, I don't mean you can, like the early rivalry games, like 
that Howard game the first weekend of September yes. or that Norfolk yes. State game the second week. I mean, yes. that was one hell of a game. Now we're getting beat yeah. down by somebody in some faraway state somewhere for a check. So, I mean, you know, there's some unintended, so there's going to be some unintended consequences of this scheduling and, that, and I understand the oh, necessity, no. I, but it sucks. Let's put it out. I agree. Oh, no, I definitely agree because some of these uh, major programs, you know, they don't want to play. South Carolina State or 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 FAMU, like what eighth game into the season, you know they want to go ahead and just they just want to get down early and get you the hell out of their home, you know. Yeah, man. <laughs> so I mean, you basically, I mean, basically those games are nothing but extensions of their spring training or summer training, fall camp or whatever. Yep, that's it. I mean, if if I'm coaching a big team, maybe the first week I play. At FBS school, and then I play, well, a patsy as they call us, to fix some of your issues with the first week, and then you go back and, and you know play your FBS school. So it's a great setup for them, and you get to see the band. But like I said, for us as a fan, for me, um, it's awful. And uh, hopefully we nah, can find some we alternative. HBCUs have to find some sort of resistance. Don't bring in. Don't bring the band. This is not, oh. They ain't gonna pay like, you. They, they, will they pay you as much if you don't? Bring are you the band? serious? But please tell me that is a part of the contract that you have to bring the band, or we or we don't want to play you. I mean, please. Hey, hey, look at your your dad for a perfect example. I mean, he went to that game because the band was there. Exactly, so, and that's, that's and you know into so the negotiations. <laughs> yes, and you know what's so funny about this? Like when he was so upset that I was mad at him, he literally I said that he said to me, "That's my dad." He said some guy came to me didn't even know I was a didn't even know who I was. Man, guys, band is good. That's the best band I've seen in fifty years. I've been going <laughs> these games for fifty years. Some old guy. And he just said, man, I didn't think about it now until you told me that. And I was like, I was really upset about that. So, but, hey, I mean, I'm sorry to get like this, but if that's part of the contract where you got to bring your – because you think about it, they're not bringing – all right, if you pick up another small FCS program, let's say like a Furman or a Citadel, they're not asking them to bring their band to be able to play North Carolina. You know, I mean, that better not be the case. But at the end of the day, that's up to the HBCU. If they want to go and skin and grin for that for that <laughs> check, go ahead and get it. Go do it. I mean, keep it real, you know. I mean, if you want to do it, do it. Go it's on the table. Go hey, ahead. Hey, but some, at the end some, of the day. Some people call skinning and grinning exposure. It's all about your perspective. <laughs> 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 I, agree. I agree, but hey, look, what's your boat, man? If, I mean, if this is something, if this helps your program, if this pays that athletic budget at ten percent, go ahead and do it. No yes. problems there. And I just think it's a travesty. I know we can't put any more money into our programs because the majority of our institutions are cash strapped, you know, but. I think the allure of just saying we have a D1 program you know, is enough to keep uh, our program there. But at the same time, though, you know, if it hurts the university, I scrap it and get rid of it. Yeah. And, you know, but we'll see. The next 10 years will be telling. Yeah, I agree. We'll see. I mean, we, we are hanging on. 
And uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's just, this won't remain so for the next decade or so. But and I pre- this has been cathartic for me because I've been pretty much in the dumps, you know, about the overall state of play. But I feel a little bit better after this <laughs> conversation, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll head into conference play and then we'll be dreaming and wishing for the celebration bowl. But uh, right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, cool, man. Yeah, and there'll be more talk about this uh, as the year goes. Um, so, hey, man, finally, just wrap it up. We don't have much time, but um, next opponent is North Carolina A&T. Both teams have a bye this Saturday, so they can have some extended preparation. Um, of course, everyone knows A&T is the strongest team in the conference. I think we actually match up pretty well with them. We're almost mm-hmm. mirror images of each other. Both teams are fast. Both teams yeah. have a beast of a running back. Both teams have fast, yeah. athletic defenses. Good yeah. wide receivers and iffy quarterback play, and yeah. good and good special teams. So I think this is a good, yeah, uh, excellent test for the Pirates. This could be Maynard's signature win. I don't know if he has many. He had that one Bethune Cookman win, but that wasn't a good game. But hopefully, yeah. he can get this to you know go down and win convincingly in Greensboro and 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 take command of the of the Miac. So that's that's what I'm hoping for. And I think they're in a position to do it because I think the teams are evenly matched. Absolutely. Um, I think um, just by watching uh, Licking and Hampton's team, you can tell that they're totally improved from uh, from the previous two uh, two teams. You know, last year I thought the team was actually better, and that's what I saw on with uh, David Watford QB. But I do think now, if you look at it, Yaki Johnson, you know, and Tariq Cohen, they are mirror images. Then you got uh, Eric Carter. You know, he is a he is a beast. You cannot. It's very hard to tackle him. Our offensive line is strong and athletic, and we do have good receivers. So offensively, we're good. I would give the edge to JJ as a quarterback because you know he's a he's a graduating senior. No, he's not even graduating senior. He's a fifth year senior. Yep. So he's been in the office lo- offense long enough. And I'm I'm still I'm still not sold on him as a QB, but he has won a he just beat Howard and I give him a props to that. He played a strong game against William and Mary and at certain parts ODU. So yeah, I do think that offensively we actually would uh, play well, but we're playing it in, in Greensboro and Aggie, and we're going to be here in Aggie Pride all day. So. That would be a very tough test, and it's on Thursday night. Uh, A&T's defense is very strong, you know. And, they, I mean, they beat an FBS program, so that's a very tall order. Um, their special teams are good, just like we said. So it's going to be a we're, – we're mirror images to this team. You know, I really hope that Maynard could dig in, that the team could dig and just play – play full on and just win this game, you know, because to me, I do think this will be the deciding game of the MEAC. And I, and I'm going to say this too. If we lose this game and Ante wins out and we do, and we either win out, we'll probably do the edge ball. I mean, the celebrate ball because it be with that Kent State win will go to uh, the playoffs. Yeah, I, but I don't. But the champ, I don't think the champ can forego the celebration bid, though. I don't think that's an option. What? Yep. Is, are you serious? Yep. I is am. That's not the bylaws. I'm ninety nine percent sure that it's oh, not God. an option. That is terrible. Oh. 
That is absolutely horrible. Celebration Bowl, baby. Or or bust. That's all Yo, we got this year, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for breaking into Urban Vernacular. They need to just change the name from Air Force Celebration Bowl. It's called the Popeye's Bowl or the Church's <laughs> Chicken Bowl. Or or what are we, the China Cafeteria Bowl. <laughs> you know, that's what we do. I mean, uh I'm sure our people, our fans, our the fans of HBCU football are going to have a great time there. You know, they're going to probably have a good DJ there. And, you know, I mean, people are going to be walking around the concourses all day, you know, chatting, and there's going to be a big play, and everybody's going to rush to see what happened because we don't even know what happens, you know. So, <laughs> right. so I don't know. I, I mean, just getting back to this game, I think this game actually decides in MEAC, to be honest. You know, I do feel Hampton is strong enough to actually win this year, and I don't think Bethune-Cookman is there. I did see South Carolina State. They're good, but they're actually coming to our home. So I think we have a shot there. I just think we our schedule sets up nice, and I do think if we beat A and T, we're we're in a good we're in a good place. But yeah, you know, this is a very tall order. A huge order, huge order. It's like you know, play. It's a playoff game uh, essentially for both teams actually, because uh, uh, A and T their schedule in conference is much more difficult than ours, so they got to win this game just as much as we do. So. We shall see, man. We got a good opportunity, and hopefully team can take advantage of it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, folks, and uh, it's been a blast, and uh, we'll follow up after the A&T game. Uh, thanks, Hampton Knight. Absolutely. All right. Go Pirates.